0: All right, well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Ice Day. Um, man, it's, it's amazing uh, what technology can do, that even on a day where the roads have locked us in, we can still gather together. And, and I, look, my expectation for what God wants to speak to us today is still extraordinarily high. So thanks for your flexibility uh, in the midst of this uh, winter storm Uh, But I tell you what, I I think uh, that God is going to do some amazing things today. Well, hey, I want to fill you in, since we're already kind of in the vibe of change, I want to fill you in on a a few other curveballs that are going to be coming at you this week. I want to be very, very clear. Night of Revival is happening on Friday, okay? It is going down February 20th, 6 p.m., you're going to want to be there. Now, as far as who's going to be speaking at Night of Revival, that is still a little bit TBD, okay? Now, the reason is, is that Kendall Laughlin is doing fine, his family's doing fine, but Kendall, who he had planned to come to Night of Revival, actually came down with COVID, all right? Now, he's doing okay, him and his family are doing fine, but you can keep praying for them that they make a full recovery very, very quickly, but it basically took what we were perceiving to be our plan A and exploded it. But how many of you know that sometimes our plan A is not God's plan A? Here's what I mean by that. God knew that this was going to happen. God knew in his sovereignty that we would be in the middle of what we are in the middle of. God in his sovereignty knew that we were not going to be able to have Kendall Laughlin here live at Night of Revival. And I believe that God in his sovereignty knew his plan A was going to be absolutely perfect. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to come. I want you to be here and we will all, with expectation and excitement, see who's going to be preaching. All right. I will guarantee you this. It will be good. Who will be delivering that good word? We still don't know. But we do know that God knows. Can I get an amen across the city? Amen. Now, one more kind of family business thing that we want to pull you in on. As I said a couple of weeks ago, our team has been working feverishly to, uh, I don't know if you guys heard that, but Siri on my watch turned on. That was, that was incredible. Um, our team has been working feverishly to find a new home for us in the north of our city. Before the pandemic, we had two campuses. We believe that God has called us to be one church that has many locations, but our north campus had to stop meeting because it was meeting at a high school that was not allowing community groups to meet there, uh, during the pandemic. So we had to cease meeting and it kind of was a big bummer. And we didn't know what we were going to be doing. We sought God and we prayed. We didn't feel like we could see, uh, clearly any options that we had. And, um, uh, and so our team really felt just kind of prompted from the Lord a couple of weeks ago to really lean in and believe that God had a space for us that we just need, uh, to find. Um, and what happened was we think we found it. Now, I want to be very, very clear, okay? We haven't signed a contract, but our elders uh, have met, um, our executive team has met. We really believe that this building that is on the corner, literally on the corner of Mopac and Wells Branch uh, is our future home. Uh, It's going to need some remodeling and some refurbishing, but it will be a permanent location for our north, campus and that's exciting but here's what i need from you i need you as we are in the contract signing stages of this negotiation uh, we need you to be praying for wisdom we need to be praying for favor uh, and we need to be we need to be asking the lord to lead us every step of the way and we don't just want to be praying as a team as an elder team we want our entire church to be Praying, but it is going to be an absolute epic location uh, when that begins to happen. So that's really exciting. I hope all of our friends that are watching this from the north of Austin are high-fiving each other uh, as you're sipping your coffee. All right, now, let's get to work. Today, uh, we're going to be closing out uh, our look at the book of Nehemiah uh, that we've been in over the past couple of weeks And what we've been doing is we've been really leaning into a few of the big themes that have been shown to us as we've been walking through this book. Now, here's the two big goals. Hopefully this will sound a little repetitive to you if you've been tracking along with us. Here are our two big goals on why we wanted to do this. The first is we want to lean into how to be a church that studies the Bible. We want to be a church that knows how to read and study the Bible. We want to be a place that is filled with Jesus loving, passionate worshiping, expectant believing, and wait for it, Bible reading. And what we've found and what we've learned from Nehemiah is that we grow in our understanding of how to approach the word of God. It takes us into opening our eyes to some of the things that maybe we did not understand before. In the Word of God, as we have leaned into what we're calling the meta narrative of Scripture, that God is telling one story, not a series of stories. And when we look at the Bible that way, it forces us to allow the Bible to evaluate us versus us evaluating it. And so when we encounter moments that maybe we don't understand in Scripture, when we look at them through the lens of the entirety of Scripture, what once felt foggy or confusing gets not just clear, but also relevant and powerful. The other goal of our time as we've been in this season as a church is to look, what it, uh, is to look at what it means to be a church that rebuilds In the midst of devastation. Look, there there has been things broken down, torn apart, shut down, turned upside down in some way, shape, or form in all of our lives over the past year and few months. And and therefore, we really want to lean in to what it looks like for us to rebuild what has been broken into what God has called it to be. In the book of Nehemiah, we have found a story of the people of God stepping from devastation into restoration. And through their journey, we've run into a couple of rhythms that are still true for us today. Those rhythms, a little bit of review for us. I'm sure you could probably just recite them all to me, all right? Because y'all have just been paying so much attention. But one of these rhythms we called is the keys to restoration. Now, these did not just lead Nehemiah to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, but these are also true for us today as we look to rebuild what is broken in our lives. Here is the keys to restoration. It calls us to repent for the sin that is in us, then to remember the promises that God has given us, and then to trust where God has Placed us, and as we do those things, the journey from broken to restoration begins. But then we also learn that when restoration begins, so does the rhythm of opposition. For Nehemiah, it was three men that we nicknamed San, Toe, and Ghee. Can I get an Amen? All right. Now, these men were symbolic of the real enemies that we encounter to see restoration happen in us and through us, and that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The goal of hell, listen to this the goal of hell is to stop us, block us, and keep us from seeing what is broken in us and around us from being restored into all that God has. For us. Can I say that again? There's a lot of us's, but they all matter. The goal of hell is to stop us, block us and keep us from seeing what is broken in us and around us from being restored into all that God has for us. And so the devil will come at us, the world will come at us, the flesh will come at us with insults, division, and distraction, so that these things that are happening around us that we would get so overwhelmed by the pressure that's coming at us that we would stop restoring what is broken around us. And Jesus said in Matthew 5:11, "Blessed Are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me? Now, Nehemiah, feeling all of these pressures and and feeling these things that rise up against us when we're believing for beauty to come out of ashes, he prayed a prayer uh, that we need to find hope in in our fight today. And he prayed, God, strengthen our Hands hear me if we keep believing, if we keep holding, if we keep fighting, restoration will keep coming. If we keep believing, if we keep holding, if we keep fighting, restoration will keep coming. And in Nehemiah 6, after 52 days of believing, uh, of resisting, and building, and cleaning, and clearing, and restoring, and repairing all that was broken in and around Jerusalem, the walls were completed. What was broken had been restored. The gates had been rebuilt. And Nehemiah and the people that were in Jerusalem saw this city that had a purpose, that had been devastated, restored into a place that reflected God's glory and provided salvation and protection for the people of God. And the book of Nehemiah, though, does Not end in chapter 6, verse 15, when it says, So the wall was complete. Because the walls were not the only things that were broken in Jerusalem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, that they were actually just a physical picture of the spiritual state of the people. Remember, the walls were destroyed when the people of God turned from what God had for them and then found themselves outside of the grace of God and therefore subjected to the consequences of how they were living. So, So can you see that the walls that surrounded the city were a reflection of the spiritual state of the people in the city? How many of you know that your environment tells you everything that you need to know about the state of your soul. Your environment tells you everything you need to know about the state of your soul. We all have brokenness in us. There's nobody that is watching this today that is not broken in some way, shape, or form. We all have brokenness within us, but there is a difference in living in it and fighting to see God restore it. Think about it like this. If you deal with fear, there's a lot of us that are dealing with fear right now in the midst of this pandemic, terrified even to leave our house. If you deal with fear, how you live will be shaped by how you either attack it or receive it. How you live will be affected by how you either attack the fear that you are feeling or that you receive the fear that you are feeling feeling in any given situation. If you allow your heart to live in fear, if you allow your heart to live in the fear that you are feeling and not the truth that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, it's only a matter of time until what is going on internally, the internal brokenness starts to affect our external environment. What is in us will come out of us. This is why behavior modification only has a shelf life. Yeah, you might be able to see a behavior, an addiction or a broken pattern in your life, put it, bay for a season. But lifelong transformation and freedom only happens when we deal with the motivations in us that is driving us To the addiction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nehemiah came into Jerusalem and he saw a city that was broken, that was filled with people that were just as broken. And what was happening on the outside was a picture of what was going on on the inside. And and God then led Nehemiah and he led the people that were with Nehemiah to see what was broken in the physical restored. But hear this, for the walls to stay standing, the people needed to be restored. Just like Jerusalem needed to be physically reestablished, the people needed to be spiritually reestablished. And so I want you to see the very first thing that Nehemiah did before invitations went out for people to start moving back before anything started moving forward. Inside the walls, right? This is what happens in Nehemiah 7, verse one. It says this, after the wall had been rebuilt, I had set the doors in place, The gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. Look, let me put this in Antioch language, all right? The walls had been rebuilt, so we put the fit team in place. We got the worship team in place, and we got the pastors appointed. Do you see that Nehemiah was transitioning from seeing walls established to seeing the house of God established? Nehemiah transitioned from seeing just the the rebuilding of the walls to the establishing of the truth of who God is and the words that God have said. And therefore, he began to set up the priesthood again so that everything that would happen from that point forward within the city would be according to God's covenant. Now, I want to lean into this just for a little bit because it really, really matters. As you read through the Bible, you are going to run into this idea of covenant all over the place, okay? And, and to understand covenant really becomes central in us fully understanding the meta narrative or the big story that God is telling throughout Scripture. Now, covenant all throughout the Bible, they hold for us the framework that really holds the story that God is telling together. You could say that it's the binding that holds the one central story together through these singular moments that we will encounter in scripture. This is what I mean. It was the covenant that God established with Noah after the flood in which he resets and then renews the blessing of creation and reaffirming the image of God in humanity and the domain of God for all creation. And it was that covenant that led to the covenant that God made with Abraham. And this is one of the most central stories in the Bible where God promised to Abraham land. He promised him a place He promised him descendants. He promised him a people and blessing and favor that would extend through him into all the peoples of the earth. And it was that covenant then to lead to the covenant that God made with Moses, which was really established and written in stone, literally in Mount Sinai, where God gives the people of God the law of God so that the law would not save them but give them a road map into seeing their need for him and it was actually the covenant that God gave to the people of Moses where we see the promises of God were contingent upon behavior now we've been talking about this about the rhythms of the people of God, right? We call it the the deprived human condition. That God has a plan for a people, and then people screw it up, and then they live in their consequences, and God has to send a rescue mission, right? We see that playing out in the promise in the covenant that God made with Moses, and that covenant leads to the covenant that God made with David, where God promises a descendant of David that is going to rule and reign on the throne over the people of God. And that one was coming, one was coming who would lead the people back from their brokenness into God's goodness. And that leads us to what is called the new covenant. And that is the promise of a coming day when God would make a covenant unlike anyone that had ever been heard before, one that would bring forgiveness of sin, eternal renewal of the heart and an intimate knowledge of God. And that was the coming of Jesus. Do you see that understanding the big story of the Bible is understanding that covenants matter in the Bible? Nehemiah 8 verse 1, after seven months of people coming from exile, making their way back to the city of God, seeing that the walls had been rebuilt, returning from their wandering and hiding, returning from their brokenness and shame, and beginning to walk through these newly restored gates that were guarded by men in the physical. And now now they were guarded by worship in the spiritual. There was a reestablishing Of the people. The the design is not just for the city, but but God was reestablishing the design of God for the people in the city. And it says this all the people came together, as in one in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, To bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand, and he read it aloud from daybreak until noon. And as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and the others who could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Jump with me to verse six. It says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God and all the people lifted their hands and resounded, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then it says in verse nine, and the Nehemiah, the governor and Ezra, the priest and the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, before the city could be all that it was created to be, the people had to be all they were created to be. The people had to come in line with who they were. They had to return to the ways of God. And in returning to the ways of God, they were returning to the design of God. Nehemiah had to make sure that before he could leave Jerusalem and go back to the king who had sent him, that restoration didn't just happen to the city, but in the hearts of the people that were in the city so that the restoration that had happened around them and through them could last in them. Can we go a little deeper in this? It's interesting to me that when Jesus was walking on the earth, his mission was to demonstrate heaven and make a way for the brokenness and the depravity of humanity to be forgiven, to be restored, and to establish a place where that restoration could continue happening in them and around them and that it would last in them. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, long before Peter had any idea of what this really meant, he said, on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Look, Jesus was establishing a place that could facilitate his grace. Jesus was establishing a place that could facilitate his grace. And and it was after Jesus had died on the cross and conquered sin and death by coming back to life that he actually gathered his disciples before he went back up to heaven, the king who had sent him back to the father and jesus said to those he had gathered in acts 1 verse 4 do not leave jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit then he gathered around then they gathered around him and asked him lord Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to see that the power that they needed to see what they were called to see, the power that they needed to walk in the restoration that they had received, the power that they needed to stand against all that was going to be opposing them and coming against them as they fought to see restoration happen around them, that power that they needed to receive was poured out in a place. I want you to write this down. There is power in these walls. There is power in these walls. Hear me. I'm not talking about a building. But I am talking about what Jesus established for us, that the restoration that is happening around us and through us can last in us when we're involved in the church. Look, I don't have to tell you that church looks different and has looked different over this past year. You're fully aware of it. Also don't have to tell you that statistically only 30% of our church is gathering back together again on Sundays since the shutdown. You can see that. Also know that these are complex times. And so hundreds of you Week in and week out, join us online because of all kinds of reasons today, ICE. And we're glad that you are doing what you can do to stay connected to the family of God in the midst of these crazy times. But there is a trend that is sweeping through the greater body of Christ that this season that we're in has increased. And that is the idea That to own your faith means that you have to to deconstruct your faith. Meaning that to know what you believe, you need to break down everything that you think that you thought that you believed so that you can rebuild it, hopefully, rightly. Now hear me. I don't think that this in and of itself is a bad thing. I think owning what you believe and knowing why you believe it is very, very important. But the problem, the weakness, the trap in deconstruction, the, the this the, the the fault in the deconstruction movement is that this good idea of owning what you believe has turned into a way for people to opt out of aspects of their faith that are either too hard to stand for, too difficult to make happen, or too painful to fight for. What I'm seeing across the nation is people devaluing church and devaluing what church is. And that is that it's a gathering of believers and people are trading this for this individual watered down approach to their faith. The problem with that is when you pull out of the very thing that God has given us to strengthen us, to protect us, to cover us, to establish us, it's like moving from living inside the walls of a fortified city and setting up a tent outside the walls. Yes, you can live out there. Can you make it? Maybe. But when opposition comes... It's gonna be a different struggle fighting from a tent than fighting from within the walls. What the walls of Jerusalem provided for the Israelites was safety. It was community and it was clarity. And it is those same things that the church brings us today. And Hebrews 10, 23 says this this way, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Listen to verse 25. Not giving up on meeting together. Not giving up on meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day Approaching, church, we can't give up on meeting together. Don't give up on it. Yeah, it's hard. It's complex. Yes. At times it's disappointing. Yes. But there's power in these walls. There's hope here. There's encouragement here. There's life here. There's freedom here. And going at it alone, it might feel simpler in simple times. Can I say that again? Going at it alone might feel simpler in simple times. But when the wind starts to blow, when the wind begins to blow, we need the walls. We need each other. We have an amazing family that goes to our church. They've been going here for a couple of years. And and, and recently, one of their sons became very, very ill. And there was a couple of nights where it got real, where it's like, okay, we, we need some real breakthrough. This is this is very serious. I remember getting a text uh, from them asking us to pray and, and asking for a miracle. And, and man, we did. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep that night. I just was burdened just to pray that God would move. And I know so many of you did as well. And their life group came around them and supported them and loved on them through it all and by the grace of God their son literally made a miraculous recovery but the story gets better than just a amazing healing after the dust settled they got back home we were just following up with them seeing what they needed how how they were doing and they just started crying saying, you know, we've been through something like this before with another one of their kids. But at that time, they weren't plugged into a community. At that time, they they were outside the walls, if you will. And they said, we can't put it into words how much it meant that you guys are praying for us and checking on us and texting scriptures and promises and what God was speaking to you on our behalf and their words, not mine. I can't imagine going through something like this alone again. Hear me, life is gonna come at us. Things are gonna be thrown at us and it is going to make it hard for us To meet together, it's gonna be hard for us to lean into community, to engage with church. Right now, that difficulty is COVID. But COVID will end, and hear me, soccer will start. You'll have another kid, church will be at the same time as their nap time. You'll find a hobby that gathers on Sunday mornings but we can't give up. We can't give up on meeting together. There's power in these walls. God gave us the church. Jesus established it for us so that what has happened in us can last in us. But when we pull out of those things, the effects of what's coming at us will start to take a toll on us. Does God meet us when we're alone? absolutely but it doesn't replace what it what happens in us when we're gathered together corporately So here's my challenge. Lean in, don't give up on meeting together. Can I say that again? Lean in, don't give up on meeting together. Lean into your life group. Lean into church gatherings. Lean into the things that we have going on for your kids. Lean into the things that we have going on for you because there is power there, encouragement there, freedom there, clarity there. And there is a strength given in this place so that the restoration, that has been happening in you and the restoration that happens through you and around you can last in you. Don't give up on meeting together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's power in these walls. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the church. And even as broken and as crippled at times as it seems to be, you have made it your vessel to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. And Lord, in these complex times, we are asking that you would give us grace and wisdom to understand what it means for us to not give up meeting together but to fight for it, to lean into it and to keep pressing on and pressing forward forward because God the things you're doing in us and the things that you desire to do through us will last in us they'll make it for the long haul in us and through us when we are knit into what you established for us to place to be covered a place to be knit in a place to be known a place to be healed a place then to be sent out of so that we can see heaven come to earth Lord so come in these days And give us strength to not give up on meeting together. In Jesus' name, amen.